Hey guys, Doug here. Before we get going on this episode on 1993's Doom, which I'm really excited for you to hear, wanted to do a little bit of admin stuff. Um, at the end of this episode, you'll hear me talk about upcoming episodes, which uh, include, I believe, Muppet Treasure Island and Tim Burton's Batman. I'm putting those on ice for right now. They've been recorded. Um, they're wonderful episodes. I can't wait for you to hear them, but they are covering what is considered struck content for purposes of the writers and uh, SAG after strike. Now, the second that strike is over, I will bring them out of the vault for you to hear. Um, but for now, we want to be uh, in solidarity with uh, the creative folks that we celebrate on this show. Just seemed like the right thing to do. So for now, I'll be shifting the focus of the show a little bit to cover things that don't fall into that category. So more episodes about music and video games and maybe books and other things for now, uh, which is fine because we've got some great stuff coming up for you. Um, also want to let you know that um, I just recently recorded an episode of a wonderful podcast called Screen Snark with our friend Matt uh, Storm, a.k.a. Matt Stormageddon, who was on our Chrono Trigger episode. So look for that. I believe that's coming out this week. And also next month, uh, I will be on an episode of Tales from the Backlog with our friend Dave Jackson from our Pokemon episode covering The Secret of Monkey Island. So look for that stuff. Anyway, just wanted to get those announcements in up top and uh, enjoy Killing Some Demons on this episode all about Doom. Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... Modern gamers will be very familiar with the term FPS, that's first person shooter. It is uh, one of the most popular game types around. So if phrases like Call of Duty sound familiar, even to you non-gamers, that's what we're talking about today. Um, our subject, Doom, released for the PC in 1993, uh, transformed what was a novelty into a video game staple. And completely redefined what it means to uh, inhabit a first-person world in a game and the relationship that a game will have with its players in terms of the ability of players to not only get in and play, but make their own fun. And uh, we'll talk about that a little more in detail as we go. So I'm really excited to talk about Doom. Uh, it was a pleasure to revisit it, to get ready for this, because uh, I think the game still holds up pretty darn well for something from uh, 30 years ago. So uh, with me, of course, uh, I'm not doing it alone. I have a second player with me. Uh, he has been on our podcast many times before, so you'll know his voice from talking about Simon's Quest and um, uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and so many more, uh, most recently Terminator 2. Please welcome back to the podcast, Rich Baker. Thanks as always for having me, Doug. I'm very excited about the topic. Uh, this was your topic, uh, and I want to hear your nostalgic memories of Doom. So uh, when I was a kid... I do. I did play a lot of games on the PC, but it was mostly like King's Quest games and things like that. You know, nothing, nothing that really felt like a video game in the same way that my Nintendo games felt like a you know an actiony, moving kind of game. And I remember my brother somehow got the original Doom when it came out. I, they had a free like first level that like you could just download, and somehow he got that. And I was playing this game, you know, we're playing it together. He's he's 14 years older than me. And um, I was just immediately hooked. It was like, this is as fun or more fun than any of the games on my Nintendo. And, like, it was fast moving. And it was like, I would play it at night. It would scare me. And then, of course, had to buy the whole thing. And then eventually Doom 2 came out. And it was all on floppy disks back in the day. And it was just, you know, it was it was definitely a... a, a it was a game changer for the industry, but definitely for 12-year-old me. Like, I, this was, like, eye-opening. Yeah, this thing was everywhere. I, I don't even remember buying it, but I'm sure I had it. And I think 
just about everybody I knew somehow got their hands on a copy yeah. because the creators, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but basically I don't think the creators cared too much about piracy. Um, they wanted this stuff out there. They were fan, they were hackers themselves to a degree. Yeah. Um, so this birthed kind of the, the phenomenon known as shareware to a large degree. And so everyone I knew was playing it. Everybody had it. And you're right. It's, it's kinetic and frenetic in a way that most games of this era were not. Yeah. And it was in 3D, which in 1993 was a big deal. Yeah. Like virtually every video game was in 2D because the hardware didn't generally exist to do much in 3D. You think about like uh, Star Fox for the Super yeah. Nintendo and like it's very rudimentary and it runs like molasses. It like chugs. And that, that game is fun, but like that is pushing this poor little 16-bit hardware <laughs> beyond what it could do. And mm-hmm. so to have something that was this smooth, and we'll talk about the smoothness, actually, because that's a big deal, but it runs smooth as silk. Yeah. And um, on the kind of PCs you would have at home in 1993, and it made you feel like I'm really zipping through this demonic world, as primitive as this 3D was. Yeah. I mean, back at, the, back at that time, it was... You know, the graphics were just as good as anything that was out there. You know, I compare it, we talked about Street Fighter 2 on a previous episode. Like, to me, that was like the game to beat it for me at that point in my life was Street Fighter uh, 2. And and so this game was like, oh, it moved fast. It had cool sound effects, the, the graphics, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, and uh, for anyone who hasn't played it, you move through a labyrinth again in first person you're looking out of the main character's eyes um these labyrinths that are on mars and then later in hell because the the premise of the game which is extremely simple is you're you're a space marine on a martian colony where science has opened a portal to hell and now monsters are running everywhere and your job is to go shoot all the monsters that's pretty much it in terms of plot like yeah. we're not going to be spending a lot of time delving into the the deep uh, story on this game, like we did in some of our other previous episodes about more plot-based games. Yeah. Um, that's not what we're here for. This game isn't has is no one's coming to Doom for for the story. They're coming to Doom because to the extent there is a story, it's the one that's just told through the action that you experience. And um, we should probably talk about kind of where this came from before and and the history of. Uh, id i id software who's yeah. the developer um so the first question of course did you play any of wolfenstein i never even heard of wolfenstein until well after doom came out so i know that it was a hit to some extent but it did not get to me i did play it um mm. so wolfenstein 3d was this team this team worked for a company called apogee software which as far as i know put out nothing but garbage um and they worked on this game called Commander Keen and got disillusioned. They said, we're going to make our own thing. And so they created this game called Wolfenstein 3D, which is you moving through uh, a three-dimensional castle, but 3D in quotation marks because there's no elevation yeah. in Wolfenstein 3D. Everything is, you know, it's a one, the whole thing is a one-story house. Yeah, um, one story maze that you move through and you shoot your it's in World War Two and you you play B.J. Blazkowicz and shoot a bunch of Nazis in this yeah. thing. And it felt this is why I said this started as a novelty, because the first time I played that, I had never played anything like it. And it was really sure. cool. Um, did you ever get around to playing it? I did. I did play it eventually. Uh, well, afterwards. And like, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like glad, glad it existed. Uh, but, yeah, Doom really took it to the next level but it was i mean it i think universally everyone considers wolfenstein 3 to be the first first person shooter game so it's mad respect yeah if not the first then it's always dangerous to say first on a podcast because someone's gonna write and go well technically but you know this is the first one to really achieve you know serious success and you know people were aware of it like i said lots of people were playing this one and Doom is kind of the next logical step because, as I said, Wolfenstein is a one-story house. Doom brought in elevation. Its levels have uh, changes in height that affect the gameplay as you you know wind your way around stairs and ele- secret elevators and things to get to places. That in and of itself felt like a big leap forward in innovation yeah. in 1993. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I was watching this on, on some of the videos. They were talking about how, like, it there was elevation, but the game was still kind of technically 2D in a way. And so, like, if that's why when you would shoot at an enemy who was at a higher elevation with you, if you shot straight, it would still hit them. Yeah, well, in fact, you actually can't look up and down. Yeah. Your, your, your view is always straight ahead, parallel to the ground. Yeah. And so if there's an enemy that's on a ledge above you, in you know, in obviously in later first person shooters, you would be able to look in 360 degrees and you would look up at that thing and you'd have to specifically shoot at it in its direction. Here, yeah. if there's an enemy on a higher ledge than you, you still, as long as your targeting reticle is in the same vertical plane, yeah. you fire a bullet, the, the bullet will hit the thing. It just does the aiming for you, yeah. which is something you exploit as you play the game as well. Yeah, it really, you know, you didn't have to be an expert gamer or spend a ton of hours on Doom to be good at it. It was really good about just, like, making it to where you could just run and shoot, run and shoot, run and shoot. The other thing that you you did touch on is the, like, it's not actually in 3D on the map. Um, What I mean by, obviously, the environment looks 3D as you move through it. But they didn't have the technology to have, like, let's say, have a tunnel go under another uh like floor where people would be walking you could create a tunnel through an object as long as there was nothing to stand on above it Mm. um but every single like uh, horizontal surface in the game could not be above another horizontal surface you could walk on Mm. like it looked it would have to work as a top-down two-dimensional map so there's a whole lot of like uh you know spit and dental floss and duct tape to try and like make you feel as if that's not happening um the levels feel like you could design just about anything even though the software is restrictive in that way yeah i think they call it ray casting to where it's like it's just rendering what you're looking at so it doesn't have to keep the whole map it's like just rendering in real time kind of thing yeah, and I'm I'm not well versed in the technical stuff of how this is actually put together. I just kind of know that these are some of the the limitations they had, and the you yeah. know again the like clever ways they had to work around their own limitations to create um, what would be Doom. said the the mostly what you're fighting are some humanoid enemies and then mostly demons um they're really fun enemy designs yeah no they 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 made art you know i think that's one thing that doom uh really encapsulates that a lot of other games um kind of were inspired by is that like all their enemies are just these beautiful macabre you know fun looking creatures that are coming at you with cool sound effects yeah, they're very like '80s horror. Like you could imagine these things being made, you know, um, by uh, you know the masters of behind like that big skull thing in Poltergeist. You know, comes yeah. to mind, right? Stuff like that that would be totally practical, uh, like Stan Winston creations. That's kind of what they look like, even though obviously they're pixelated cartoons. That's yeah. the vibe you get. Yeah. They did uh, base them on actual three. They did make three D models of them before they um, put them in the thing, though. And those models, I mean, you know, obviously the, the, the graphics could only make them look so detailed, but I mean, they're really beautiful. Yeah, and in the, within the game, they are not three D models. They're like picture like the things from a shooting gallery. They look flat no matter what angle you're you're looking at them from. They have like there's like a, basically a front, a side, and a back. Yeah, depending on how you're looking at them, and that's it. They don't rotate in three D space. But um, they're very evocative. Do you do you have one that's your favorite? Uh, I, I don't know the names. The big eye thing always kind of looks pretty I believe, cool. I believe that's called a caco demon. Nice. That thing. Um, I'm sure I can pull up the Doom bestiary here and, and find <laughs> it. But it's like a beholder from Dungeons & Dragons, if you've ever seen that. Like, it is a, like it's an enormous um, spherical creature that floats around and has one big eyeball and one big mouth. Kind of like the things from Critters almost, except Cyclopic. Yeah. It reminded me of Mad Balls, I remember. 
Yes. Uh, oh, you should explain to the audience what Mad Balls are. So uh, Mad Balls was a uh, was a phenomenon in the eighties, late seventies and eighties. I think uh, that uh, it was just they were like balls, but they were characters, and some of them were kind of gross and macabre and, and weird. One of them was just an eyeball, and they were just toys, you know. It was just yeah, like what, what if I had like a softball, but instead it was like a weird little, uh, you know, succubus looking thing, you know, yeah, uh, creature, creature from Mars. Um, those are cool. I like uh, what they call the pinkies, which is what's in, actually on your uh, Zoom call behind you. Where they're like these kind of imagine like a pink bulldog on two legs. Yeah. With like instead of four legs, it has like big arms that punch. Yeah, um, and the arms are above its head. <laughs> yeah, they're all real goofy. Um, yeah. That's what I mean by like that '80s Stan Winston horror stuff. Like they're they're very odd in a way that's like. Um, just sort of like it makes them more charming than scary, even yeah. though like they do look like they're from like a you know an Iron Maiden album cover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Doom is so metal, you know, as, as far as video games are concerned. I mean, the soundtrack alone is literally metal. It's like yeah. the first thing you hear is just like a heavy bass line, and then just dun 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 like through the whole game. You'll you'll be hearing the score, of course, throughout this episode here and there, and. It just, yeah, it sounds like 80s butt rock, sort of. that term before <laughs> oh you never heard butt rock before butt rock no yeah it's like acdc kind of something's real like just kind of gungy power chords yeah that's butt rock oh, there you go. um yeah and you play as doom guy like they don't even give you a name you're doom yeah. guy. you're just some some guy some randomly space marine yeah and i love how they used him in that you don't really see him except his face is right in the bottom middle of the screen where they have your your HUD, your heads up display, and yep. so you have like your health, your, your your how much armor you have left, um, your ammo points and other things, ammo, yeah. and then you've got this face that looks worse and worse as your health goes down. Yeah, yeah, it gets all bloody and bruised, and yeah. Now again, I, they had that in Wolfenstein, or they had a face at least in Wolfenstein, but I don't know if it got bruised or whatever, but it. They, I hadn't played it, so well, that was all, again, brand new to me. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, again, it kind of, there's a, a there's a moment, if you ever played Metroid Prime, which is a much later um, first-person shooter version of Metroid, but, like, the ads, it, it's, you know, this is, like, at least, gosh, ten years later that that game came out. But, like, you're on an alien planet, and you're, you're so you're wearing a space helmet kind of thing, and if, like, a flash goes off, you'll momentarily see like your eyes and you know, the bridge of your nose reflected in the mask. Or, you know, if you look up and it's raining, the raindrops hit the, the visor. Nice. Um, there's something that makes you feel a little bit like, Oh, I'm, I, there's a person inside this helmet. Like I'm playing this game. And this is the much more primitive version of something like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can we talk about the weapons? Yes, please. Uh, you know, they, especially for that time, the idea of having multiple weapons, you know, like we did Castlevania, your weapon is a whip and then you get a secondary weapon that you can choose out. But like in this game, you had a pistol, you had a plasma rifle, you had, uh, the, of course the chainsaw, which is, you know, so iconic. And then the BFG 9000, which stands for big fucking gun. That's right. Big fucking gun. Um, yeah, you don't have all these weapons, of course, at the start. You basically have your fist and a sh uh, pistol. Yeah. And you would pick these up in the environment and build your arsenal as you go. And a lot of these things were would be uh, in secret places. And we should talk about like the structure of these levels. Um, yeah. Because they're, they're basically little... Little labyrinths. They're not terribly like maze-like and confusing, but they're just these little like series of hallways and platforms and stuff. And as you would go through these levels, quite often there would be a colored key that would open a colored door. So part of your 
your loop is like, I got to find the blue, yellow, and red keys to open up all the doors so yeah. I can scour this place, kill all the enemies, find all the stuff that's lying around before I find, eventually I find the door that says exit on it. Yeah. Um, but while you're in there, and as you'll see, when you complete a level, you'll get like the stats of like, you know, how well, how much stuff you collected, how many enemies you killed. And then a third one that says secrets. I would. I know there were secret, uh, like things that you would open up, and like a, a panel would go away, and things like that. Yeah, I mean that's what they would do, right? They, like there'd be places in the wall where, like, maybe maybe there's a switch, or maybe there's just a door there that looks like everything else. Yeah. And so if you ha- but if you happen to go up to it and press the you know interact key, the, what looks like a just a flat wall goes and opens up, and now there's a a doorway to somewhere interesting. And they would tease you with these things sometimes because you would walk into a level and you'd, you know, there'd be like a window or a grate and you could see like there's stuff in there yeah. and you're sitting scratching your head going, how do I get in there? That's their developer's way of letting you know, like somewhere there's a door that leads to that spot. Yeah. And it was, you know, cause it was a lot of run and gun, but you know, you could really explore the levels and, and kind of, you know, you had to, to some extent to figure out how to get out of them. But uh, there was, there was a lot of little Easter eggs and secrets around there that you could spend your time with. Yeah. Every level is like dense with this stuff. So if you want, you can, it's funny when you get to the end, one of the things they, they give you like par for, you know, par for finishing this level. And it's like 36 seconds. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, I guess technically I can run from the beginning of this level to where the door is in 36 seconds, bypassing everything else. But they want you to sit there and go like, hey, what's around? What if I, you know, what if I just poke at the edges of this? Yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, an an interesting, um, like, juxtaposition of, you know, run around fast as you can, kill everything. But also, we've laid out a little, we've laid out some secrets for you. So, you know, you could choose how you wanted to play the game. And this is, again, pre-internet, so there, there's a lot of, like, ooh, I want to, you know, talk to some. Did you go over here? Did you notice? there? You know, yeah. it, you know, it looks like a wall, but if you're lucky, you'll find where the, the thing is that goes up. And, you you know, that's where the stairway is that goes somewhere else. Um, I love that stuff. And it was so much more fun, in a way, before the internet could just tell you, hey, you know, go to GameFAQs.com and look up where are all the secret things in every level. Yeah. I don't know how he came across it, but again, my brother somehow um, found a text file that he shared with me, again, via floppy disk, that had, like, I don't know if it was all of them, had a lot of, like, secrets just, like, typed out of, like, go to this door, do that, and it was, you know, like, shared, probably on the, I mean, super early internet, like, user groups and stuff, but, you know, a lot of people were sharing, just, like, put it on a floppy disk and let me have it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that to me is one of the great pleasures of this game that holds up the best in 2023 is that that feeling of like, you know, modern games would probably do a better job of like signaling, hey, this wall looks different than the other walls yeah. around it, right? They don't do any of that here. It's just like, you find it, you find it. Um, but they do one thing to make it easier, and that is, we should talk about speed in this game. Yeah, you can move. You can move through it pretty fast. And then I believe, aren't there like some things you can get that make you move even faster? Well, you have your regular "quote unquote" walk speed, which is already like Usain Bolt sprinting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, levels. And then you can hold down the run button because if you weren't going fast enough, uh, now this is you are you know like running at sixty miles an hour <laughs> through these levels. And yeah, I believe there is a power up you can find that then, you know, like while, at least while it's active, you can go even faster than that. Yeah. This totally changes up the way a game like this plays. Oh yeah. Big time. You know, like up till now, either you controlled the pace, but you could still only move so fast or the, you know, the game told you how fast you were going to go. And most games, even after this, don't do this because most first person shooters now will go for some level of verisimilitude with this. It's like, okay, we don't want, you know, if our, if our video game pro, even if our video game protagonist is like a fantastical 
creature or a person with superpowers. We don't want them running around this map at, you know, at, at breakneck speed because then they can just run past all the stuff we made. It makes yeah. it trivializes killing the enemies. Like nothing is balanced for that. Yeah. Here, everything is balanced around. Like we know the enemies are kind of tough um, and these levels are big. You're going to want to explore them. So being able to move at these speeds is the only way you can kind of dodge everything or, or at least dodge enough to survive. Yeah. Which makes all of the encounters. I mean, we use the word, I use the word frenetic cause I don't have a better word for it. Like you are just booking it. Like you know, you're <laughs> strafing sideways. Like in, there's no other game that does this where it's like, yeah, you're the flash with a gun as you take down. These <laughs> yeah. Well, and you need to be, cause those, I mean, the enemies are coming at you depending on which part of the game, you know, there's a zillion of them and you're going to be like, you got to move out of the way and shoot a little and then run and shoot and run and shoot. Yeah, and we should say the, the enemies have the same what I'll call hit scanning that you do, which is like if they're, you know, in front of you, and they shoot, that bullet hits. Yeah. The only way you can dodge anything that is like there are there are some enemies like these big brown spiky guys, they like throw a fireball at you that yep. moves slow enough that you can dodge that. Yeah. Uh, but everything else, it's like if they're shooting, you need to be moving. It's your only hope of avoiding getting shot, especially when there's like all of a sudden like you know, 15 dudes come pouring down a hallway at you. Yeah. Um, now it's like, uh-oh, wee! <laughs> Turn on the afterburners and, and uh, zip around. Yep. And then find the armor and all the bonus health because you're, you know, you're going to, you're going to go up and down. Like it's no one. I mean, maybe there's some elite gamers out there, but I mean, you know, you're going to get hit a lot in this game. Like, Yeah. You're not getting out uh, unscathed. You're going to take a lot of damage. So sometimes that speed is like, I'm going to run all the way down to some part of the labyrinth that I've cleared out already where I know there's a few health pickups waiting for me, grab all those, then, you know, book it back down that hallway to where the enemies are and start shooting again. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the, uh, you know, we were talking about the, like the enemies and the, and the weapons a lot, but the the actual um, like landscapes, I guess you know the hell and the and the, the space stuff and everything. Like it was, I re- I just I mean still you know looking at a still image of it now, and I'm like I I don't really remember games having that much of an effect on me as far as the the art, the background art as much. Yeah, this is definitely the beginning of. Uh, of games starting to kind of evolve in that way of like, you know, we, we now have the technology to create something that looks a little more evocative, yeah. right. In the, in the early nineties than say in the eighties where, you know, there's a handful of, I think eighties games mm-hmm. that do neat stuff with pixels and stuff. Sure. Uh, but this is another level. You look at the, the, the like blood red weird sky behind you. Yeah, and it's almost again to go back to like '80s stuff, but like it's a very like an '80s matte painting in say like Conan the Barbarian, like the way the sky looks in that movie. Yeah, uh, or the Neverending Story, right? Stuff like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it really made you, you know. And I remember like playing this game, you know, as twelve year old kid on the PC at night, you know, with headphones on, and just like it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like the the atmosphere of the game and the way it looked, the way it sounded, like I mean it was like legit scary. Yeah, and the enemies for like like I say, they're not exactly scary. Um, you know, they are a little goofy, but what makes them feel scary is they all take a lot of hits. Like they're a little bit of like bullet sponges. Yeah. Um so yeah, you're zipping around moving really fast, but you're gonna have to shoot them a bunch to make these things go away. So there's a little there's a lot of this like that feeling you get when you look down and there's like a spider on your arm and you're like, get it off me, get it off of me. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so much of that, like, ah, oh, it's, it's in the room with me, you know, a, a hallway or like a wall will open up and behind it, like one of these things will start coming out at you, uh, in the dark and like, you got to run, you got to shoot. Like it's, it's that it's, and it's happening fast, fast, fast. Yeah. It's just constant jump scares. And then, you know, as you make your way through the game, you do get a few new enemies that are like, what the heck is that? Yeah, there, there's a few, like, uh, real nasty ones as you get to the end. Like I said, they take so much damage, and they find good ways to vary up the encounters where it's like, okay, 
some of these early game enemies are not such a big deal on their own, but now that there's a bunch of them or that they're in combinations with some of these other ones, now that's its own kind of puzzle of like, how am I going to survive this? Who do I shoot at first? And mostly it's a lot of like, ah, 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 like your brain doesn't have the, the capacity to move as fast as this game wants you to move. Yeah. Uh, we talk about the mods. Yes, we can talk about mods. So, the so when you get a Doom file, it's a .dot wad file, W A D, which stands for Where's all the data? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the developers who made this liked hacking stuff, and they basically made this game to be quote unquote hacked, which is really not so much hacked because normally in the old days when you hacked a piece of software you would be fundamentally changing that software forever. Like you'd have to reinstall it from scratch to get back to basics. Mm -hmm. That's not what this is. People would be using this software to create their own doom levels. And like I said, have their own fun and they still are. These things are still being made by people and traded even for the original doom and doom Two. Yeah. And I, you know, I was not a computer hacker or anything close to it as a kid. So I had no experience with anything like this, but Again, one day my brother comes home and he's like, you like playing Doom? Try this. And in, inserted the floppy disks and I'm playing Doom as Homer Simpson going around shooting Barney Gumble and uh, Chief Wiggum. And I'm like, you know, it's exactly Doom, except it's different. The characters are different. You know, like instead of health, it's blood alcohol content. You know, it's like instead of a health pack, it's a donut. And I was just like, whoa, I'm playing the Simpsons on Doom. Yeah, I mean, there are dozens upon dozens of these. I mean, thousands at this point. You know, yeah. um, some are more notable than others. But I remember this too of like all of a sudden this opened up this possibility space of like, shit, there's infinite doom. People can make their own forever. Um, I don't recall ever making my own doom levels. I was not that skilled with this stuff. But I do remember at some point I, I learned how to like swap out the sound effects at least. Oh wow! So I could I, I I vaguely remember doing that of like having some version of Doom, where yeah it was like Simpsons dot wave files instead of other things. I didn't change out all the creatures. I wasn't that savvy, but I think I learned how to do the sound effects. Are there any uh, mods that you were you know, particularly fond of or, or memorable? Uh, that was I mean that was the only one that I had any experience with. It was the Simpsons one. Um, but uh, you know I've since you know watched. YouTube videos of, of other mods, you know, and they've got plenty of fun ones out there. But, I mean, just to me, playing The Simpsons was so mind-blowing at that time. Uh, the ones that I like are, are – there's the ones that I sent you mm-hmm. uh, before the podcast. So one of my favorites, which is the stupidest one, is someone replaced every texture in the game, every image, every, everything, every, even the blocks of, like, text with Tim Allen's headshot. And every sound in the game with has been replaced with the sound effect of Tim Allen doing his famous <laughs> from Home Improvement. Yeah, it it sounds dumb. It is dumb. I it makes me laugh every fucking time. Yeah, it's so stupid. Like you would never like it, you couldn't play this for more than forty five seconds before you would lose your mind. Yeah, right. But it is very funny to watch briefly. Um, as just I'll I'll put in a clip of the sound. It's just for a little bit. It's too silly. So there's that one. Uh, There's the Seinfeld one. Yeah, you sent me that too. Yeah, someone recreated the apartment from Seinfeld and put the characters in it. There's no combat. They just walk around, but like if you shoot them, then they'll say, you know, some, you'll hear, you know, Serenity Now or some other Seinfeldy classic line. Serenity Now! Nation. 
Yeah. Um, it, it just became this amazing vehicle for people to use their own creativity, whether for like comedy or for like, no, we're going to actually make a real doom level for you to, to play around in. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm always fascinated with people who like, don't just play the games, but you know, do their own thing with them. Like people who do the super Mario world, uh, make levels and different things like that. But, uh, I mean, it's it's astounding if you just Google Doom mods. Like, you can just look at them for... You can scroll for hours. Yeah, yeah. There's Like I said, there's too many to count at this point. But, like, that birthed the whole genre, too. Like, I remember, I think, Quake did this, which is a later FPS. Um, you mentioned uh, there's Mario Maker, which yeah. is... That's not, like, a secret thing. Nintendo created that and sold it and said, here, oh, wow. everybody, go make your own Mario levels using all of these tools from different Mario games and new things we added and people yeah. put those online to, to play. Uh, and that's its own form of masochism. If you, if you uh, watch some of those, yeah, but nice. yeah, this very much like there's so many games, uh, even people who are really good learned how to like crack games that are not meant to do this. So people you know, have made these wild modifications for like dark souls and stuff. Mm. Um, it's, it's really impressive. You know, I mean, I, I, I just don't know anything about software engineering. So to me, it looks yeah, even more like magic. Yeah. But, um, but I think it really all goes back to this. I remember so many times sharing WAD files or receiving them online. Well, I mean, well past this game's expiration date. Didn't like, I remember it was in college. People yeah. were still sharing these around. Yeah. And as you said, they're still making them. Uh, you sent me the one about where like someone made like a doom level of like House of Leaves. My house. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's House of Leaves, basically. Like, right, like you're moving through this house, and then it changes. Like, it's like, wait a minute, that's that door wasn't there before, and yeah. that that stairway doesn't go, and it just sort of keeps changing and changing and changing in in so many different ways. Remember what I said before about like how you couldn't um, have platforms above other platforms and stuff. Like, yeah, the the so the work that you would have to go into this to create this illusion with that limitation in place is absolutely staggering. I don't know how they did it. Um, I know that like the wad file for that is enormous, which is your first clue that like something's up. Cause you, the game just, the mod just tells you, Oh, my friend died. And you know, we had so much good times in his house. I wanted to recreate the, the, his house that he grew up in that we used to play all the time as a doom level. Yeah. And you load it and it takes forever to load because the file itself is actually gigantic. Yeah. And so you're moving through, why is this file so gigantic? It's just like a two-story house. Like, what's the big deal? And yeah, it, you know, it, like I said, it unfolds and unfolds and unfolds. And I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, go look up My House Doom Wad um, if you want to watch like like a masterclass level of like design of just game design and haunted house design. Yeah. Yeah. I and <laughs> If you'd said hey, do you want to watch a two-hour YouTube video where someone deep dives into a Doom mod? I'd be like, probably not. But I started watching, like, first few minutes, and I watched the whole thing. <laughs> it's crazy how far down the rabbit hole that thing goes. Yeah, it's it's intricate. Yeah. Um, we should mention Doom 2. Of course, Doom 2 is just more Doom 1. Yeah. It's slightly refined, but basically it's this more of the same. Hell on um, Earth. So they go to Hell Earth. on Earth. Yeah. Which is still a series of hallways and you know, oh, yeah. creepy skies and, and the same demons. Uh, we should mention the cyber demon, who I believe is the, the main boss, right? It's, like the, it's sort of like a giant robot minotaur. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's the final boss, right, in Doom 2? I believe he's the final boss in Doom 1. Or Doom 1, yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> it's just a cool design. Like I said, like picture a minotaur with like metal welded to him. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember the first time I saw him. Again, again, just beautiful, like, comic book, you know, style creatures that I just put a lot into. I think it was the second one that had the spider demon, like, the brain and the spider legs. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the idea, right? You've opened a portal to hell, and all of this weird stuff is pouring out of it. Again, that's Shades of Hellraiser, sort of. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Doom yeah. 2, I remember being just as into it as Doom 1. Uh, honestly, you know, because I think it came out within less than a year of Doom 1. And, uh, I mean, to me, it all bleeds together in my mind. Like, I can't remember where Doom 1 ends and Doom 2 begins. 
Me either. I, I mean, I remember I, I bought both of them because they were both on PlayStation recently to, to get ready for this episode. They were super cheap. They were like two bucks each or something. Nice. And yeah, I just popped in and go like, I better play a little of Doom 2 just to kind of remember. I'm like, oh yeah, it's this is it's the same. It's it's just more of Doom 1, which that's not a bad thing. This is, you know, this is, they they, they nailed what they were doing. Like it delivers it perfectly. And at the time it was a big hit too, because we love Doom so much. And you could kind of, once you got used to it, you could play through it relatively quickly. So when Doom 2 came out, it was a bigger game. It was more of what we wanted. So, you know, we ate it up. Now, did you play Doom 3? No, I kind of stopped playing video games uh, about the time Doom 3 came out, so I didn't play really any of the Dooms past 2. So, yeah, they, they changed a bit, because Doom 3, it came out 10 years after Doom. So Doom 2 is 94, Doom 3 is 2004. And it's much more of what a traditional first-person shooter had become by then, so it lacks, the for one thing, that zippy movement. They are much more realistic environments with more realistic-looking enemies that are fully 3D. What it does have is it's much scarier. It's it, it's noted for, like, it's a use of shadow. So it's mm. very dark in the space station that you're, you know, working your way through on Mars. And uh, it makes everything feel real scary, which is good. It's a good game, but it doesn't feel like Doom. Is it the one where, because I was watching some videos on this, where, like, you have to have a flashlight but separate if you want to use your gun? Yes, yeah. I think eventually they that was that was a mod that was patched in where someone said like you can hold a flashlight and a gun at the same time. This is annoying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they fixed that. Um, but yes, at first, yeah, there was a big. The darkness was like their big mechanic they were working with, and it's like again, it's a great game. It just doesn't it doesn't have this feel to it, and that feel is what makes Doom Doom. And so yeah. with these later ones, there was um, so there was Doom twenty sixteen, which is Doom four, but for Doom twenty sixteen, yeah, and then it's follow up Doom Eternal. Those bring back the like manic, hyper violent, you know, um, wild feeling that is more like the original game in still like a modern three D shooting environment. So you might find those more compelling. Yeah, I've seen I've seen walkthroughs on both of those. They look good and. Um... Just uh, I think my nephew would uh, uh, just a shout out to him. He he does something I don't even know what it is, but it's like he makes some kind of music that is basically inspired by the Doom Eternal soundtrack. And apparently, there's people out there who are really inspired by that and make music in that vein. So shout out to my nephew who does that. Yeah, I can't I can't speak to the soundtrack for that game. I've never heard it. I would guess at what it might sound like. Uh, heavy heavy metal. metal. Yeah, we probably a little more industrial stuff now a little more trent reznor in your uh in flavor yeah uh, we also should talk about the movie uh yeah the Dwayne the rock johnson movie <laughs> yes yeah uh uh not a good movie but it does have one really cool sequence in the movie which is all in first person so yeah it, that's the part that like everybody remembers and you might as well you don't need to see the movie but you could certainly find that sequence on youtube so it's, it's worth all, watching again, that sequence only, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're in first person. You're He's, you know, running around through the station, hitting things with a chainsaw and, like, doing all of the Doom stuff. And it's the one part of that game that sort of is, like, it's really cool. But watching any more than that sequence in that, like, first person field as a movie would be exhausting. Right, yeah. And I just remember, you know, it was so laborious to get to that. And when they finally showed that, I was like, at least they gave the fans some fan service, which a lot of video game movies historically don't seem to care about the fans of the game. And uh, yeah, Why should just... we adapt the thing people like? Right. <laughs> don't give the people what they like and <laughs> take that away from them. No, let's 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 make it our idea, which is totally better. But uh, yeah, the, 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 just the, um, the movie is, is terrible, but I think if it had a better story... That first person part would have really popped even harder, but right now it's just the only salvageable thing from the whole film. Yeah, it's one of those things that's like you know have some popcorn and get ready to feel dumb as yeah. you watch it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's again it's the same plot. It's just you know, the space station on Mars. They accidentally summon demons. Now we got to kill a bunch of demons. End of movie. But I believe the movie ends the way the, the original game does, which is like oh. Yeah, we we kill all the creatures on Mars, but the portal has now unleashed hell on Earth. And then I don't know. If, I guess they no. They made a sequel called Do, or they made a movie called Doom Annihilation in 2019. Yeah, I never it's saw a re, it. It's a re, it's a reboot. Hmm. Stars no one you've ever heard of. Cool. 
Well, I probably yeah. won't watch it. Well, if Doom Annihilation is anything like Mortal Kombat Annihilation, it is definitely not worth your time. Yeah, no kidding, right? Oof. Um... <laughs> Kind of one other thing I want to talk about with regards to Doom is the controversy around it. Were you aware of this when it was happening? Uh, you just talking about like the Christian right against like the hell stuff and the violence kind of stuff. Yeah, this this got lumped in with a lot of like think of like the Satanic Panic in the eighties, all about like Dungeons and Dragons. Like that, there's you know the the there's a sect of like religious people in this country that like there has to be a whipping boy. To yeah. explain societal ills that's not us. You know, it's, yeah. It can't really be that we're bad as a species or we're teaching people bad things. It's the video games that are doing it to our kids. Yeah, it's Harry Potter. You know, yeah. It's <laughs> Harry, yeah, Harry Potter. Hilarious they did an about face on that. It was like, Harry Potter's teaching all our kids to do magic, and that's evil. Wait, she's a bigot who hates LGBTQ? Well, she's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but getting back to this, like this game got lumped with a bunch of other like this. This Mortal Kombat was the same year as this, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this became like you know Joe Lieberman's kind of cause celeb. Um, I can't. There were a few other games that were lumped in here, but this was the the year that like video game violence became like a thing politicians had to talk about. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, like. I, you know, just based on what I've researched about these guys at id Software, like, they were the punk rockers of video game makers. Like, they were trying to, you know, pull anarchy in the system. I mean, this game is, like, hell. It's straight up, it's unapologetically, we've raised the demons from hell. So, you know, it's kind of silly to, like, go, oh, this is, this is bad for people. It's like, it's exactly what it is. Well, it's also, like, it's so not to be taken seriously, yeah. That it's you can't look at this and go like this is gonna teach our kids to worship Satan. You're like, no, it isn't. Nothing about this is gonna teach kids to worship Satan. It has yeah, the right. same level of, you know, it's as effective as doing that as like the cover of Meatloaf's "Bad Out of Hell" album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. like, it, it just yeah, like, but this kind of, I almost want to say violence, but there. Here's what I'll say about the violence in it. So like, when you, it's not like it's that full of blood and guts. Like when you shoot these pixelated things, they go and then die. Yeah. Right. It's not like mortal Kombat where you're ripping a guy's spine out. And even then that's pretty silly. Um, I think they're they're The only thing I might kind of see is like, it is in first person. And there is something about like, you know, you're not, it's not, you're not controlling a little like avatar that jumps around and shoots. Like it's, you're running down a hallway, like mowing people down with a machine gun. And I feel like there were even then there were like they tried there were like Law and Order episodes, but they tried to like work this into stuff where it was like, yeah, this guy who went out and like got in the clock tower and shot a bunch of people, well, he liked playing Doom. <laughs> That's how we're going to convey that like this guy has a screw loose. Yeah, that must be it. And I mean, you, if anything, this game, I think it was the chainsaw that probably <laughs> did it. <laughs> Which is straight out of like Army of Darkness too, right? Yeah. Or, or Evil Dead too. I mean, the, the or hell, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Sure. Um, so it's this thing is all is just regurgitating stuff that was already out there. It wasn't. I mean, the enemy designs are new, but I mean, the concept of like I don't know, let's go kill a bunch of demons. I mean, we'd all seen Aliens by this point. Sure. Um, you know, uh, Freddy Krueger had gone through at least uh, what all six movies by this point, if Probably. not five. Yeah. You know, we, we've been here, done that. It's It didn't strike me as being that, I don't know. It didn't have any kind of effect on me playing it to, like, you know, feel more into the occult. No, God, no. No. I mean, any more than, like, you know, superhero comics make me want to, like, douse myself with chemicals or something. It's like, it's just fiction. Yeah. Well, if you're the kind of person that can't really separate fiction from reality then uh, I got news for you. It doesn't matter how many books and games you keep away from that person. They'll yeah. find one that they glom onto and yeah. misinterpret. Yeah. So, but you know, overall I think that, uh, you know, and, and to, 
there wasn't a lot of blood and guts in the first couple of Dooms, but the, I've seen some sequences from like the later, like the mo- two most recent ones, and they get well now. Like blooded. yeah, now that they have the graphical engine and horsepower to do it, yeah, those it's like yeah. you know ripping people's rib cages open and stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's you know real gross. Pretty fun. Uh, it is pretty fun, and that's the thing is like it's all it is all in good fun as like giddy and gross as it is, but to me nothing really replaces that joy from the original two of just like sprinting down a hallway yeah and because like i said even to this day there are no there's basically no fps's that you engage with that way yeah have you ever played dusk nope okay so we talked about this before on the the simon's quest episode where like they're uh, there are these like throwback games where like so shovel knight is a modern version of like an nes game that kind of brings forward concepts from like DuckTales and Mega Man. And Infernax is one that kind of is like, what if we did Simon's Quest and Zelda 2, but sanded the edges off and made them more fun? Nice. Um, Dusk is that for Doom and Quake and like these early mm. first-person shooters. It looks like these do. They're, it's kind of these pixelated labyrinths full of uh, secrets and stuff. And uh, it is awesome like this it feels like the the best doom mods in a way of just like yep these people studied at the altar of doom and made their own and it is great so uh, i will highly recommend dusk to anyone who wants to play it nice uh speaking of of, uh, other games you know we should talk about how doom is was such an impact on the culture that the you know when everyone was like well we got to make our first person shooter games they were called doom clones Right. It became yeah. like, we have to make one of these. Yeah. Um, there was a bunch of that. Like, that will happen often, I think, in games and I guess in movies, too. And, you know, other media, someone will make something popular and someone will go, oh, we got to get on this gravy train. Um, yeah. But it's hard to duplicate this. Like, as much as, like, people were out making their own wads to play, like, yeah, I mean, I would imagine 90% of them are just amateur. Sure. Know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's deceptively hard to make something like this that actually plays well and is you know fun. You got to like really fine tune all of the little bits about it, where everything is hidden, the shape of the level, where the enemies are hidden, what switches you have to turn, what weapons are going to be available to you. Like all those little considerations add up to a lot. Yeah. And I I think that you know games like Half-Life and GoldenEye like wouldn't exist. Uh, if it wasn't like Doom paved the way for those kinds of things to take it and run with it. Yeah, Half Life in particular, I think, is probably, uh, and especially Half Life 2, are some of the finest first person shooters ever made. But this also gives way to things like Portal. Uh, Absolutely. Where, where a first person mechanic is used for puzzle solving and, and there's no combat. Uh, I would recommend Portal to anybody who can get their hands on it because it's super inventive. Both Portal and Portal 2 are, are wonderful. Yeah. I would also. You know, you look at something like the Dishonored series, where that is a first-person shooter that also adds in your character having magical powers, so mm-hmm. you can like teleport to places. You can, you know, maybe you can um, cast spells on enemies and things, and, and have them behave a certain way. So it's sometimes about combat, sometimes about stealth. However, you want to approach it, but all of these first-person games have borrowed from this. Um, I want to highlight one more. Um, have you ever played the Stanley Parable? Mm-hmm. The Stanley Parable is a non-combat game. It, I don't want to say very much about it because that would spoil the experience. It's a, but think a little bit of like the My House thing we talked about earlier. It's a lot about like there's a lot more to the exploration of this than you think there is. And I would, and you can do most of it in like I don't know two two and a half hours. It's a short little bite sized experience. But if you can get your hands on the Stanley Parable, absolutely play it because it will totally um, blow your mind in a way that, like, only a video game could deliver a story this way. Um, You could not do it in any other medium. You couldn't do it in a movie or a book. Like, it just doesn't – you have to play it to experience it. But it's because of games like Doom, again, that this first-person exploration engine exists to do these other kinds of things other than just blood and guts and mayhem. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it, sometimes 
a game comes along and just changes the culture and, and things, you know, you can trace back so much of what we do even today to that 1993 Doom game. Uh, not, yeah, the way software is distributed, the way uh, it's played, the way people approach being able to alter it. Um, and then, yeah, the fundamental gameplay of Doom itself. Um, it you know it remains fresh. It, you know, here we are, you know, the thirtieth anniversary of the release of this game, and it still felt great to get back into the Doom guy's shoes and shoot around. Hell yeah! Uh, so we're kind of coming to the end here. So I'll ask you, Rich, what is it you think it is about Doom that has you know you know kept us all kind of uh, enraptured with it thirty years on? You know, I think. Um... You had a bunch of creative people who wanted to make a game that they loved, and they did it. And it was one of those that just happened to catch fire like any good album or movie. And and because of because of the shareability of it, I think their marketing was genius to let people mod their own and, and share it with people and can hack their own thing. It's like anyone who lived through their, that time, was our age or maybe even older or whatever, has memories of Doom that, like, color their childhood and even if you didn't live in that time whatever games you like we can trace back to there probably i'm just going to read this from wikipedia Mm -hmm. um, because i think this is an extraordinary piece of data about this game quote it sold an estimated 3.5 million copies by 1999 that's six years after launch up to 20 million people are estimated to have played it within two years of launch and in late 90, 1995, it was estimated to be installed on more computers worldwide than Microsoft's then new operating system, Windows 95. Wow. That is an extraordinary level of market penetration for a single video game. Yeah. Uh, you know, even you think of like killer games like, you know, the Super Mario series. Sure. Right. Um, these very popular things. This was everywhere. Everyone had to play it. Everyone had to experience this world of like exploring and and you know zipping around in 3D. And as you said, this this absolutely pun intended. This was a game changer. Um, yeah. This absolutely revamped the landscape of what video games were, what video games could be, and what video games would be. Yeah. And um, I, it's hard to think of a single game that had a bigger impact on an, on its industry than this one. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about Street Fighter 2 before, which had a huge impact. And, you know, uh, we mentioned Super Mario Brothers. But uh, th- this this game belongs in the Mount Rushmore of games of, like, you're going to remember it forever. Yeah. And even if you th- this particular game doesn't, you know, affect you, if you play video games at all, I'm sure you've played something that owes an enormous debt to do truth and uh yeah so i think that's a good place to leave it um rich uh if people want to find you where can they find you yeah if you're interested in improv classes go to richbakercoaching.com if you're interested in bringing me to your company either on zoom or in person for some team building uh use improv for better corporate culture go to playlikeateam.com All right, and to do a little admin on our side, of course, if you like the show, please do uh, drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you found it. That does a lot for increasing the podcast's uh, visibility. Tell a friend, of course, try and get more people to listen to it if you think it's great. Um, If you have thoughts on our recent episodes, which include, uh, obviously, Doom. Last before that was Who Framed Roger Rabbit and uh, My Cousin Vinny. And before that, Chrono Trigger, another super influential game as we talked about. Yeah. coming up soon uh we've got Yu-Gi-Oh! uh i believe is coming up after this and uh muppet treasure island is in the mix i know uh, we've been talking about doing a uh, some my wife and uh, some of her friends are big fans of matchbox 20 so we'll do uh oh wow i think we're gonna do an episode on them and uh, a bunch of other stuff is in the mix too and i know rich you and i've been and amy have been kicking around doing uh one of two movies that start with the same four letters yeah uh, so i'll just leave it at that because we haven't selected it yet and uh, yeah great stuff coming as always uh, so if you have those thoughts tweet them to at NostalgiumPod on Twitter for as long as we're on Twitter until we figure out something better and uh, uh, follow us on Instagram uh, at NostalgiaMarkCannon especially follow us there because that's where I'm posting bonus stuff 
for all of these episodes, so look there for that every week. Uh, I've also had the pleasure of um, doing some guest shots, so um, you can find a, an episode I did on a, a on the Fun and Games podcast. I did uh, an episode there, and uh, in September, not long after this comes out, you will hear me uh, doing an episode of Tales from the Backlog, talking about another very influential game, The Secret of Monkey Island, with our friend Dave Jackson, who was on our Pokemon episode, if you remember that one. So uh, look for those as well. Um, Rich, man, thanks so much for, for suggesting this and dropping by. It was so good to play Doom again. Thanks for always for having me, Doug. All right. Uh, so until next time, that is one more entry in the Nostalgia Arcade. The beef. Send it this way, boy. Don't! Y'all burn for this. Oh.